I've been talking about interest rate swap spreads for quite some time now, and they've been building and building, not just swap spreads, but those in particular. And then last week, they made a big move, a huge move, the biggest that we've seen since last September. Even the five-year swap spread's in on it. You look at the, as of Friday, the five-year swap spread was down to minus 27 basis points, and it had fallen a couple basis points on Thursday. Thursday was the day when the two-year treasury yield fell, even though longer-term rates rose. And then another basis point on Friday contributed to the five years minus 27 basis points. The 10-year spread last week, minus 35.6 basis points as of Friday. There was down a couple more on Wednesday, a little bit on Thursday, and then almost two basis points on Friday. So the final three days of last week, big move in the short-term spreads. The 30-year swap spread, that one dropped down to around 72 basis points. That was steady Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at these low levels. But I can hear you asking, what are these interest rate swap spreads? What do they mean? Why are they so important? And that's something we really need to talk about because they are critical, they are crucial, they are incredibly important for exactly what it is that we want to know. I mean, think back, just look back to last year, last, as I mentioned, September and October. You had a big move in interest rate swap spreads even before anyone was talking about London, the UK, or anything. You could see it coming and building, and the big move in swap prices became more and more negative leading up to the gilt market and pound crisis because it wasn't about the gilts, it wasn't about pounds, it was about the global euro dollar system, and in particular, what swap spreads tell us about the very key capacities that we're always looking for information about. So today we're going to talk about not just the big move in swap spreads, what these, what these mean recently, but what are interest rate swaps, what are interest rate swap spreads, and why are they such a huge, huge indication of, again, exactly what it is we want to know about the Eurodollar system. But I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University, of course, and we're always looking for answers on the Eurodollar system. We use it to filter all of our analysis and perspective, which is where we have research subscriptions and memberships available. In particular, the research subscriptions, I do a daily deep dive analysis as a way to build our understanding of the world, the macroeconomic developments and consequences from how the monetary system reacts to changes in conditions, dealer capacities, collateral, all the stuff that are really critically important that maybe you're not really aware of. That's what we aim to fix with our research subscriptions and our memberships at Eurodollar University. Check us out. The website is conveniently eurodollar.university. So as I've mentioned quite a bit recently, the black hole analogy, the Eurodollar system is, we can't observe, we can't see it. We can't look directly into the monetary system because there are no statistics, there's no ability to do so. It's a, it's a ledger money virtual currency system, reserveless virtual money currency system operated by a cartel of global banks who don't really want to share a whole lot of information about what it is they're doing. We force them to at times, but that doesn't tell us about what they're doing the vast majority of the time. Because this is a shadow opaque system, we're stuck trying to figure out what must be going on inside of it by, again, the black hole analogy, by the way in which this huge monetary black hole impacts everything around it, which is practically everything. 
to varying degrees at various points in time. So we're, we're looking at yield curves, we're looking at money curves, we're looking at the dollar exchange value, and we are very much looking at interest rate swap spreads because these spreads are directly impacted, very closely impacted by changes at the black hole center. And what is the black hole center? What it is, we're, what is it that we're really trying to, to really get at here? And it's about the monetary capacities of that black hole, which means the dealer banks that are at the center. Those, those, the global cartel of banks that operate this euro dollar system. How do we know what they're doing at any given moment in time? Well, Again, they're not going to tell us. Jamie Dimon is not going to get on TV and say, hey, you know, we're having a whole lot of collateral problems over here. We're never going to get that sort of direct information. But we can we can uh, get some sense of what they're doing by, by the tape, by the market prices that do come out, that do get published, that, that are public information. Every time a dealer inter enters into, say, an interest rate swap contract, that's going to show up somewhere that we can see. Now we have to interpret the behavior in it and the movements across these spreads, but it does, it goes back to telling us the key information about what it is that dealers must be up to. That, that some of these spreads leave us with very little other interpretations that it, it leads us down the direction that we want to go. Remember, dealer capacity, that's not just about um, derivatives and esoteric information. It's about the ability of money and credit to circulate all throughout the global economy. So in particular, in, in times when we think that dealers are constrained, it doesn't just matter about repo markets or financial volatility. When dealers are constrained, what we're really talking about is the potential for deflationary money. Constrained dealers, the restricted in the ability to circulate and recirculate and redistribute money and credit throughout the global system. And when that happens, the entire global economy suffers for it, as we've seen over the last 16 years. And we look at interest rate swap spreads over the last several months leading up to this week. They've been flashing warnings that dealers are more and more constrained for maybe a couple different reasons. And those usually fall into two big categories. That's dealer balance sheet constraints, or collateral. In many cases, those two go hand in hand too. What we also see is that swap spreads, because they're telling us something about dealer capacity, deflationary money potential, these interest rate swap spreads correlate very closely with some of these other signals. Again, they're orbiting around the black hole center. So it would make sense that when dealers are impacted in a certain way, either good or bad, that shows up in swap spreads as it does in other things such as the cross-currency basis swap that I've talked about, uh, cross-currency basis swaps and different currency denominations. Even something like repo fails because again, we're talking about collateral and potential trouble there. There's an inverse correlation and a pretty good one between interest rate swap spreads and U.S. dealers hold, U.S. primary dealers holding of U.S. Treasury coupons. Again, they're hoarding collateral. Swap spreads turn negative. Tells us something about the capacity in the system. And there's also a good long-run relationship with between especially the 30-year swap spread and the copper to gold ratio. Talk about real economy stuff there. An interest rate swap is essentially nothing more than a, an exchange of fixed for floating payments. And up until June of this year, the floating rate side was tied to three-month LIBOR, most of all. And of course, three-month LIBOR is no more. So interest rate swaps are now tied on the floating side to SOFR. And they have... 
They've been trading since early 2022, and you can see in the charts they go. They were very volatile and wild when they were ramping up in uh, 2022, and they started to settle down in the middle of 2022, just in time for all of the massive amounts of disruption around August, heading into September and October of of last year. And when I mentioned the swap spread. We take the fixed leg quote or the quote of the fixed leg side of the interest rate swap and compare it to the same maturity U.S. Treasury. The nominal yield on the U.S. Treasury, which you would expect would be lower than the payment from the fixed side of an interest rate swap. So a negative swap spread is nothing more than when we compare the payment on the fixed side of the interest rate swap with a receiving a coupon from the same maturity U.S. Treasury. Because it stands to reason that if the U.S. Treasury, say a 10-year U.S. Treasury, was yielding, say, 4.5%, why would you accept less than that to receive a fixed rate payment while, while paying floating? Why would, you pay, why would you accept less for a fixed rate payment from a financial counterparty on a derivative? It seems pretty intuitive that you would demand a little bit of a premium because the financial counterparty on the other side of this interest rate swap, this derivative is a financial counterparty. You would, ex you would expect a little bit more return on the fixed payment from the interest rate swap in order to undertake the swap because you could otherwise just get a U.S. Treasury yielding better. That's what a negative swap spread means. So the fundamental question with a negative swap spread is simply why would anyone receive a fixed payment on an interest rate swap when they can get a better return on the U.S. Treasury? And the answer to that question is the same thing when we ask why Treasury bill yields are less than something like the RRP. There has to be some value in the interest rate swap over and above the return characteristics embedded in, say, the fixed rate return. And essentially, that's what we're saying here. The interest rate swaps are used for other purposes beyond strictly just investment considerations. Who is it that uses these interest rate swaps? They're not, you know, the retail investor that normally invests in a portfolio of stocks. We're talking about the big, huge financial players like pension funds and the dealer banks themselves that have an interest in managing much larger risks across their portfolios or their bank operations too. So in a situation where the swap spread is negative, they're accepting a lower return on the swap because they are compensating a dealer to give them something that they desperately want, which is hedging against risk. And so that lower return on the fixed rate swap also means something important about the incentive or incentivizing the dealer to engage in the swap. Because the dealer is saying, I want to pay less fixed rate, uh, fixed rate to you in order for you to lay off your risk to me. And the periods when risks are perceived to be higher and higher, that's when we see these swap spreads, swap spreads compress. Because dealers are saying, I need a more of a return. I need to pay you less on the fixed rate. And the, uh, the, the demand for hedging, that goes up. So they're, they're willing to accept a lower return on the fixed rate of the swap periods of stress and strain. So just fundamentally thinking about the return on the fixed leg part of the swap, forget about the set aside the floating rate for a minute, using limited balance sheet capacity and space requires additional incentive to do that. And that's what we see um, this last part. Let's start with that. Again, this is, this is incredibly important. So again, interest rate swaps and swap spreads, they're tied directly to dealer capacities. And there was a paper 
Actually, I think it was a blog post or an article that was put up at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York website back in October of 2018. It was titled simply Negative Swap Spreads. And the authors at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York were trying to explain why swap spreads would be negative because they, do, they shouldn't be negative. And we'll talk about that in just a second too. But essentially their upshot was, although we cannot precisely measure the cost of SLR capital requirements imposed, it appears that executing a swap spread trade is now more expensive for dealers than in the past, largely because of the amount of capital that dealers must hold against these trades. As a result, while current negative swap spread levels may have presented attractive trading opportunities in the past, which would have reduced deviations from parity, our analysis suggests that given the balance sheet cost, these spreads must reach more negative levels to generate an adequate return on equity for dealers. Again, dealers are constrained. Now, these, the, this study in particular, this, this article in particular, tied balance sheet constraints to, of course, regulatory rules like Basel III, the SLR, but the, op the upshot remains the same regardless of the cause. Dealers are constrained. They don't arbitrage away negative spreads. And the more negative the spread, the more we know dealers are constrained. And the reason I bring up this study as well as the one I'm going to talk about next is they present a bunch of quantitative analysis which does firmly tie these things together. We know this intuitively because we can see it happening, again, with the correlation of the euro-dollar cycles. But it's good that academic ec economists and central bankers too are providing us with evidence backing up this, this contention. Negative swap spreads mean dealers are constrained. And the reason dealers are constrained are not just regulatory requirements, but also risk perceptions, which we know really impairs balance sheet, collateral perceptions as well as collateral reality, that really impairs dealers' willingness to engage in these transactions too. So at least according to this one study, we have the the two the, tying the two together, negative swap spreads with what we really want to know, balance sheet constraints among money dealers for whatever possible reason. On the other side of that, there's another study that came out earlier in 2018 talking about who it is that actually demands these interest rate swap spreads and why. Because when you look at Interest rate swap spreads, especially when they first turned negative back in 2008, it was October, late October 2008, you would immediately think that given the financial counterparties that are involved in paying either fixed or floating, if you're receiving the fixed rate, you're getting paid by a financial counterparty. In the context of the great global monetary crisis of 2008, you would expect swap spreads to surge because counterparty risk went way up. But what instead happened, not only did dealer constraints make that basically impossible, demand for hedging also skyrocketed, which meant that, as I just said before, you're willing to accept a lower fixed rate payment than a similar, same maturity U.S. Treasury because you need that hedging. And what this particular study showed, and it was from February 2018, BIS Working Paper 705, it was called an explanation of negative swap spread, demand for duration from underfunded pension plans. Essentially, underfunded pension plans have this duration risk. And it's not the same duration risk as investing in, say, a portfolio of U.S. Treasuries. Basically, you have unfunded liabilities out into the future, and you have a whole bunch of financial returns that you're required, you're, you're really leaning on, in order to be able to meet those, financial, those unfunded liabilities in the future. So when you go through periods where the asset returns don't look great, financial volatility rises, um, a bunch of 
negative perceptions and impressions about the ability to generate returns consistently to meet your unfunded liabilities, the demand to hedge against those risks goes way up. And so pension funds in particular, but not just pension funds, they focused on pension funds here, their demand for something like interest rate swaps, interest rate swaps to be able to hedge against these negative risks all across financial markets goes up. And here's what they said. We offer a demand-driven explanation for negative swap spreads. In particular, we develop a model which underfunded pension plans demand for duration hedging leads them to optimally receive fixed rate and interest rate swaps with long maturities. Pension funds have long-term liabilities in the form of unfunded pension claims and invest in a portfolio of assets such as stocks, as well as in other longer-term assets like government bonds. And they can balance their asset liability duration by investing in long-term bonds or by receiving fixed in an interest rate swap with long maturity. So this demand, when coupled with dealer balance sheet constraints, results in negative swap spreads. So what we're saying is both sides of the interest rate swap equation. Dealers are constrained. They're not willing to enter into these interest rate swaps. At the same time, the demand for swaps goes up and both of them for the same reasons. Perceptions of big and growing trouble across the economy, across the marketplace. Dealers don't want to engage in swaps and demand for swaps from not just pension funds, but all sorts of other financial counterparties, including banking, those in the banking system, that goes up. And the result is the swap, the fixed rate, the fixed rate payment goes down, which means the spread between that lower fixed rate payment and the same maturity U.S. Treasury gets wider and more negative. Demand for hedging goes up. The ability to supply hedging goes down. Negative swap spreads get more negative. It tells us something fundamental about what we otherwise would not be able to observe directly. So if we start with negative swap spreads that are becoming more negative, that tells us the demand for hedging has gone way up and not just pension funds. It tells us the supply of dealers and the ability to take on those, those hedging demand, to take on that hedging demand must be going down. Dealers are constrained either for collateral balance sheet purposes or both. The potential for spillover beyond just interest rate swap derivatives must be pretty high or maybe uncomfortably high, especially when you consider the big move in interest rate swaps that we've observed over the last couple months leading up to last week. And again, it's not just interest rate swap spreads. We've also seen big moves in Japanese government bills, Italian-German spreads, uh, treasury bill yields. Those are starting to leak lower. We had some auctions today, three and six month treasury bill auctions where a couple basis points lower in all the yields. Another one, copper to gold. Gold made a huge move last week. Was that specifically about just the Middle East conflict? The copper to gold ratio hit a, the lowest it had been since November of 2020, which tells us about deflationary potential, not just in terms of geopolitical risk. So there, there's a whole bunch of correlated warnings starting from interest rate swap spreads that tells us the black hole. What is going on there and what is going on in the black hole right now at this moment? So why are interest rate swaps and swap spreads so important? Because they are telling us exactly what we want to know about the dealers, about the monetary system and conditions in it, even if it's not what we would like to hear. You should check out this other video I did not too long ago about collateral indication from the perspective of Japanese government bills. It's linked right below me. 
As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, take care.